Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of Litigation Radio. I'm your host, Dave Scriven-Young. I'm a commercial and environmental litigator in the Chicago office of Fakar and Abramson. And we just got back from Miami Beach for the ABA Litigation Section Annual Conference. And we're recapping some of the tremendous presentations and networking events that we've participated in. So today we have our panel from What to Do When It All Goes Wrong, Strategies for Dealing with the Unexpected During a Hearing or Trial. And my guests today are the moderator from the panel, Mark Zucker from Weir and Partners in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Judge Carol Kelly, a judge on my, the Miami-Dade County Court from Miami, Florida, Mark Romance, he's a partner at Day Pitney in Miami, and Jennifer Simi of counsel from Rawl and Henderson in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So welcome everybody to the show. And uh, Mark Zucker, we'll start with you, wondering if you could just give us a recap, a summary of how you... Uh, thought about uh, going about this presentation. Sure. Well, thank you for including us in in your presentation. This was the brainchild of one of my co-chairs on the Commercial and Business Litigation Committee, Mark Romance. He can speak for himself, but of course, our our view was that people may focus on preparing witness examinations, preparing opening statements, closing statements, things of that sort, jury instructions, but may not really be focusing on those real surprises that happen at a trial or a hearing. And we wanted to actually come up with particular hypothetical scenarios to talk through in four categories what might happen and and how people should handle them, recognizing that there is no clear answer for so many of these things, that uh, it was something that gave rise to an animated and engaged panel discussion because it involves not only considerations of rules that may apply, but also strategy, tactics, and the balancing of interfering with the flow of a trial or hearing in order to clear up what may be a real problem otherwise. So our four categories were technology, problems with witnesses, problems with opposing counsel, and problems uh, that may arise with the particular judge in the case. And we went through each of them. We came up with these hypos, fired them through, and heard some really fun and also thoughtful suggestions for how to deal with these problems. Well, great. Well, let's get right into uh, some of the tips that were given during the presentation. Judge Kelly, I wonder if you could start for us. Sure. And thanks, Dave. So one of the topics we discussed was technology. And technology is wonderful because it can help lawyers be organized, provide with lawyers with a variety of presentation techniques and methods. It can engage the judge and the jury, and it can help a lawyer win their case. But there's pitfalls. And we discussed specifically Zoom hearings and the lawyers need to screen share. My tip was be very careful what is on your screen when you are screen sharing. We have seen some really personal photos, messages, uh, lawyer-client communications, et cetera, et cetera, on lawyers' screen share before they realized it and it was really too late. So it can be really embarrassing. So be organized and prepared 
practice your screen share many times before you actually get into a hearing and separate those folders on another uh, screen. And then just one other thing that I think is really important in these Zoom hearings is to make sure you invoke the rule at the beginning of the hearing. Why is that important? Because you don't know where the witnesses are located and you can't always see whether or not there are other witnesses in the room um, with those individuals. So you want the process to be fair and that's a good way, remind the judge, if the judge doesn't do it automatically. And that way, if there's violations, you have a remedy. That's a great tip. And judge, um, just curious as to um, how things are going in your in your court in the circuit and the county court of Miami-Dade. Um, are you still, it sounds like you're still participating in hearings via Zoom. And do you see that continuing on uh, for the near future? Yeah, we still, we have a hybrid now. We have in-person hearings as well as Zoom hearings, but I think it's going to continue on forever. It makes it far more convenient, particularly for witnesses and litigants. You don't have to take an entire day off of work. You don't have to come, particularly in a, in a city like Miami, where parking's very expensive. It's cost prohibitive for people to come and take a day off of work, pay for parking. I work in family violence issues, so it also obviates the need for parties to be together in a scary, stressful, dangerous situation. So yes, I believe these will continue on, you know, as far as I can see into the future, we'll be continuing to do this. Great. Thanks, Judge Kelly. And Jennifer Simi, let's uh, turn to you for your tip. One of the things that we talked about was what happens when a key piece of demonstrative evidence is deemed excluded. So for example, Let's say that your expert is going to use a demonstrative aid during their testimony, and for some reason, opposing counsel objects to the use of that demonstrative aid, and the court sustains that objection. You now have a witness on the stand prepared to testify, but you've prepared that witness based on the use of of the demonstrative. What do you do? Really, these questions all come down to a matter of preparation, preparation for the trial and preparation for the unexpected. A skilled litigator will have prepared the expert for the possibility that some or all of that demonstrative aid will not be admitted and have the expert prepared to either use a whiteboard or or to draw whatever it is that the witness is going to discuss in front of the jury on that day of trial. But if you're not prepared for that and you haven't brought that other alternative technology with you to the courtroom, you're unable to pivot and you may leave your witness really unprepared to deal with the testimony in the absence of that demonstrative aid. And those kind of preparation issues really blend through into each and every single one of the things we discussed. Another area of inquiry that we had was what to do when you're successful in having some evidence that trial excluded, and yet opposing counsel decides to be difficult and refer to that excluded testimony during their opening statement. And the suggested... uh, options during the in the slide that we used during the presentation included objecting to to the statements right then and there and asking the court for a curative instruction objecting and asking for a mistrial waiting until opposing counsel has completed their opening and then asking for a sidebar and we discussed what the possible ramifications of taking each step would be in a trial context as litigators were always concerned about the potential for waiving any issues on appeal. So my suggestion in that particular circumstance was that even though this is is opening statement, 
you're going to want to step in and object right then and there when the statement is made, as opposed to waiting until the opposing counsel has completed their opening statement. And I think that dovetails very well with what Judge Kelly was saying in terms of making sure that you know your technology, because, you know, if your technology fails and you still need to present your evidence, you need to have a backup. So understanding and giving yourself enough time to prepare some some backup information, whether it's a physical board, if your technology fails, or just like, like you were saying, having a witness know where to, how to pivot and you know how to pivot um, if something gets excluded. It, it sounds like something that is, is really important during a trial. Exactly. The last thing you want is a witness who you've spent hours preparing and now they're not prepared to make that pivot. You as counsel may be well-prepared and well-versed in doing that but your expert may or may not be. Excellent. And uh, Mark Romance, let's uh, turn to you uh, for your tip or your highlight uh, from uh, the presentation. Sure. Thanks, Dave. So one of the other topics we covered was uh, problems with witnesses. And we had a couple of different scenarios there, but just taking a step back, things go wrong in trial and most of them are, are small little issues, but every now and again, you get something that we titled this program when it all goes wrong. And so, you know, it can all go wrong when a witness completely changes their testimony or all of a sudden doesn't remember what happened on the key event. And everyone in the courtroom knows that this is the key witness and you're the lawyer examining the witness and you get into trouble. So the tips that we talked about start with what what Jen and, and Judge Kelly have said, which is preparation is key. You've got to know the rules. You've got to know the rules of evidence. You've got to know the rules of procedure because those will give you the tools to help pivot when something is not happening unexpectedly or, or happening very badly unexpectedly. So we talked about two, two or three different scenarios. For example, one is relatively common, which is when a witness changes her testimony from her deposition. And we talked about knowing, knowing the rules on impeachment and how you can use a deposition to impeach a witness. Another one we talked about, which was where a witness simply forgets what happened and may need to have their uh, memory refreshed. So again, these are two rule-based things. If you know the rules, you know what you can do to try to rehabilitate a witness and we also talked about a couple of other options. For example, are there opportunities to talk to your witness? Let's say it's your witness and your witness has forgotten, or maybe your witness has changed, decided to change sides and testify against your position unexpectedly. So what are the rules that may exist to allow you to con have contact with the witness when they're on the stand? The, the short answer is you really don't have many options there to talk to a witness. Uh, when they're on the stand. But we kind of talked about those scenarios. And so the 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 bottom line there is you've got to know what the rules are so that you have tools to help you get through a potentially difficult and and maybe catastrophic situation. Excellent. Well, thank you all uh, for being on. Um, Mark Zucker, Judge Kelly, Mark Romance and Jennifer Simi, thank you all for giving, for summarizing all of your great tips from uh, the ABA section of Litigation Annual Conference. Thank you so much for being on today. Our pleasure.
Thank you, Dave. Thank you. And as a commercial litigator yourself, we welcome your participation in our committee. <laughs> well Absolutely. done, Mark. <laughs> we never miss an opportunity to recruit. <laughs> Well, great. Well, that's all we have for our show today. And I want to thank Michelle Oberts, who's on staff with the litigation section, who helps scheduling our in-person interviews for the podcast, as well as our fabulous producer, Rich Rivera. Thanks, Rich, for all of your hard work. Thanks also goes out to the co-chairs of the litigation section's audio content committee, Josh Jones and Tyler True. Thank you to Lawrence Coletti and the audio professionals from Legal Talk Network. And last but not least, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. 